0: You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox. It is Friday, March 5th. Appreciate you joining uh, me and our special guest today. And our special guest, if you listen to the pod, you know him well. If you follow TCU Athletics, you probably know him well. You can find him on Twitter, at Matt A. Jennings. Matt Jennings, um, thanks for joining the show, man. It's been a little while. Let's talk some off-season football, huh? Yeah, man, let's do it. Okay, so TCU, I believe – I'm trying to, you know, put pieces together in my brain. I think we recorded a show after the Chandler-Morris news dropped. I think that's right. Correct. But but let's kind of revisit the situation. So Max Duggan – um, seemed to be the clear starter coming into this year. Chandler Morris was transferred in from Oklahoma, and we still don't really know what his eligibility status is because we haven't actually gotten the waiver from the NCAA that everyone thought we were going to get that says all transfers are eligible. But let's assume that he is eligible because that was, at least at one time, the way this was trending. Do you think, Matt, that there is an actual quarterback competition that could go down in the spring and into the fall or is this really max duggan's job as long as nothing crazy happens yeah
0: i think that's i i think that's a great question and i think we're probably not going to know i don't think we're going to know in the spring because by all accounts it seems like um if Morris's eligibility question isn't answered now yet then I don't think he's going to be the one they're going to be trying to get first-team reps to. And if I might be mistaken, but I think Max Duggan might be recovering from some sort of injury or something, uh, and, and so he may not be full go for spring practice as well. So we may be getting a whole lot of like Sam Jackson and Trent Battle and Matthew Downing in spring ball. So we may not even know until we really get into August. Um, as, for, as for but to actually answer your question, I think you know, I think Gary has really established a precedent that he loves experience and so I don't think there's any question that in week one Max Duggan's your starter I just don't foresee him um pulling a two-year starter almost two-year starter um you know for no uh without some like act of God that that makes it just like completely untenable for him to keep Duggan around as a starter um unless he just like absolutely just gets some major injury or just like Morris is just, like, light years better. I will say, though, I think the mood around the program, you know, justified or not, is that they think that this is their year to maybe make a run and to try and compete for a Big 12 title again. And I think that if you get a few weeks in and Duggan is fine but not great or if he's struggling a little bit and but Gary likes what the rest of the roster is putting out, I think. Then you end up with a really interesting question of whether or not Gary wants to make that move. I again because of loyalty because of experience. I don't think there's going to be a change before week one. But I think if we see them struggle at all on offense early on, I think that I think those gears start turning of, of possibly introducing um, a, a different quarterback as as, as a possibility. Um, because I do think they really think that this this could be their this could be their year to to get back to what they were doing in 14 and 15 and 17
1: so i agree with all that but let me ask you an impossible question to answer which is i'm sure what you love to hear absolutely if if, if that's true then why do you think chandler moore's transferred in because i understand there's a scarce number of power five schools that actually have kind of legit openings where you're going to go in and be the you know, clear favorite to start. But if Max Duggan is the guy and unless if this happens, then I think everything kind of takes care of itself. But unless Max just has some huge awakening this year and it's all of a sudden like, Oh wow, he's an NFL quarterback and he needs to leave. Now you're talking about someone who's going to be there for a couple seasons. What, what's kind of his incentive to move there if he doesn't think, you know, there's actually some sort of opening
0: that I think there's two Parts to that answer. One being, you know, on some level, every quarterback thinks that they're that they're the guy, right? And so, obviously, Morris understood that he wasn't going to be outspent to Rattler, but you know, on some level, to be good enough to be um, a power five quarterback and a power five starter, you got to believe that wherever you go, you're going to be the best guy in the room. And so, I think on some level, Chandler Morris probably believes that. I think that's the first part of the answer. I think the other part of the answer. Is that on some level he was led to believe that he was going to have a chance to win the starting job? However, real or not real that was, because we saw TCU do that when Alex Dalton a few years ago. I'm not equating Chandler Morris to Alex Dalton at all, into the skill level or to a style of play or anything like that. But in terms of the situation, it was the same deal then. Why would uh, why would you know uh, uh, a longtime starter, you know, a grad transfer from uh, from within the conference? Leave where he was to go to another school unless he really believed and had been told he had a real shot and would be the favorite for the job. And of course, Alex Belton did start the season in 2019 and then obviously got beat out by Max Duggan as the season went on. And then he quit the team because he believed he, he you know, my, this, I'm putting words in his mouth. I'm not reporting anything here, but it just seemed like he felt like he had been, um, kind of duped a little bit that he had been sold a bill of goods that he had been told hey you're going to come in and you're going to have a chance to compete and if and if you win the job then it's yours and we believe that you're good enough to lead us to win games blah 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 and I think every team when they go dipping in the transfer portal for a quarterback does that um and I think that that's probably what happened with Chandler Morris as well whether or not it's true um about him really competing for a job and really possibly being better than a Max Duggan No one knows because we haven't seen the guy play um, any significant snaps. And so that's really what it comes down to until we get a chance to see them both on the field, taking real reps, which we're not, like I said, doesn't seem like we're really going to get until August. Kind of who knows. Um, I do know that TCU was really, really high on Chandler Morris coming out of high school and they really, really liked him, even though they had Max Duggan already on the roster. So take that for what it's worth. But – um, yeah, if the eligibility question was more settled like today, like already, I think this would be, I would be, I would be more bullish on, uh, on Morris's chances to start the season. But the fact that, uh, it hasn't been settled already, I think, you know, gives Devin a little bit more of an advantage.
1: Man, that's a good reference with Delton. And, and that does kind of make me relieved because that reminds me that there was a time where we were excited about the potential of our starting quarterback being a guy who initially was going to transfer to UTEP. <laughs> <laughs> that was
0: the thing. That was the thing that about that to me is like, even though I'm sure the coaching staff told Delton that, and that Delton believed that, that he had a chance to be the guy. And of course he did start the season, like, like from, from the minute. And I remember I got, uh, pushback from this from people in the program but like when that announcement was made that he was coming to TCU I was like he is a body in the room he is nothing else he is the like no disrespect to Delton at all but like when you've got Max Duggan at the time you had Justin Rodgers you had Mike Collins who's come on coming off a year where he did some cool stuff uh, like there was just no real and, and it, There was no reason to think that he, with with what he put for, what the body of work that he had as a passer to that point, that you thought that he was going to be the starting quarterback for any length of time. The only reason he started the season as the starter was because Mike Collins was hurt. Um, And because Max Duggan, at least in the eyes of the coaching staff, wasn't ready yet. Even though Duggan then played significant snaps
1: I mean, he played against he played against game, Pine you know? Bluff, like you know, yeah. like they, they split reps against Pine Bluff. But let's exactly. not let's not make this an Alex Delton hate pod. I don't. That's oh, but that's. What
0: if we did? What if we did?
1: <laughs> the Delton no, family when, is just I'm like, gonna... <laughs> what a niche podcast this is. The Deltons are like
0: just like, hey, why are we? We're just out here catching strays. Like what? What did we do to y'all? No, I I'm I, I don't uh, you know begrudge Delton trying to. You know, go find a starting job somewhere, and get You know, um, and being a good teammate and being a competitor. Um, but uh, you know, it does remind me of that situation. I think Morris has a more has a has a more real chance, though, of of getting on the field and, and getting starting, getting first team reps in a significant way. Um, uh, I, I think this competition, if and when it finally happens, will be more real than that one.
1: I will say a positive thing about Alex Delton before we go to break. He threw one beautiful pass against Kansas. It was to DeValence Hunt, who's also no longer with the program, but it was <laughs> – that was that was your moment of hope was yep. him, those, those guys connected. Anyway, uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about a – Uh, Another big-time recruit that is changing positions, and we'll also delve into some more topics. But I did want to quickly tell you about betonline.ag. If you're somebody who likes to gamble, Matt's not. He's a good Southern Baptist man. But if you're different, you can go to betonline.ag. You can wager some money today. Uh, They're your online sportsbook experts. They give you the latest lines. They even got those weird prop bets for you degenerates who want to make some cash in different ways. Um, College basketball, NBA. When college football does roll back around, they'll have all the latest info. You can get a 50% sign-up bonus if you go to... BetOnline.ag, and use the promo code LOCKEDON. So if you don't feel comfortable using your money, use their money. BetOnline.ag, run by Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. They are your online sportsbook experts. Back here on Locked On Horned Frog segment number two, and Matt Jennings is joining me. Appreciate his time today. Matt, uh, something that had been rumored that we now know is true, at least according to the uh, program's website, Marcel Brooks, former five-star recruit, Played at LSU, was an edge rusher, came to TCU, and didn't really play much last season. Uh, They thought about moving him to safety. That never really seemed to take effect. It seemed like midway through the year he was just kind of gone, but he still is with the program, and he is going to move to wide receiver. Um, What do you think about this? And I guess my question is, do you feel like this is a move to wide receiver where somebody's going to really try to focus in on a position or does this sound to you like kind of a gimmicky thing that they're going to try to install on the offense for, for certain situations? This reminds
0: me, you know, we're throwing back a little bit to when, to when you and I were in school. Uh, if people remember uh, Jordan Moore, this reminds me a whole lot of Jordan Moore. Um, Jordan Moore was not as highly recruited as Marcel Brooks, but a similar situation of a guy who just like you asked any coach, you asked any of his teammates, they'd rave about his athleticism right they talk about like oh man he's just a beast he you know he's he's so fast he's so strong he's so athletic and they couldn't find a spot for him on the field though like they couldn't figure out where to put him and just wherever they put him it didn't work so they tried him at running back they tried him at receiver they tried him at safety um and you know and he eventually got on the field and got a few snaps and and, and did some things but never kind of lived up to the potential that they um envisioned for him and that certainly that everyone talked about. Um and this feels like that. It's like this guy's with Brooks, it's like it's such such a good athlete, so wildly, wildly talented. We but it's just not working at the position, let's throw something else at the wall and see if it sticks. And um, you know, receiver is um, you know, a position where um you know, it's not like this for all receivers, but you can make it like you can make it like this for some receivers where you say, hey, we're going to put you on the field and we're basically going to ask you to run two routes. We're going to ask you to run a go route and we're going to gonna let you stand back and catch a screen and just go from there and then maybe introduce more complexity if you're ready for it. Um, uh, that feels like what this is to me is they'll put them out there and because uh, they just want you think it's a good thing. It can only be a good thing to get more of good athletes on the field. But um, the fact that like when they needed a pass rush so desperately last year, he still couldn't get on the field is concerning to me. And uh, cause that was what he was supposed to be good at. And so the fact that now he's changed positions entirely to admittedly one that he played in high school, he played receiver in high school. Um, uh, some, but you know, I'm not, super optimistic of him making a huge impact at the position.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I'm actually somewhat excited about that position group with how Quentin Johnson emerged late in the year and J.D. Spielman being healthy and Savion Williams maybe seeing the field more, but I'm not really feeling the Mar. I mean, good for Marcel Brooks. If it works out, that's great, and I would love to see him kind of dial in, but it, it does sort of sound like, ah, well, let's just see if this guy can do this even though you're right, he did play that position in high school. Let me ask you about um, transfers. So somewhat under the radar, but also some kind of big names, brought in a, a big tackle from Memphis, um, a, a kind of corner safety combo from Memphis as well, a tight end from Syracuse. Matt, of these transfers that are uh, w- stepping onto campus in the fall, which one do you think could have the biggest impact on the team next season?
0: Yeah, I think and I'm sorry I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher his name. I don't have the pronunciation guide in front of me, but O'Binna Yuze, um from Memphis, I think is the is the one that stands out the most. Uh offensive lines offense, is their the position of biggest need. It was their biggest um uh weakness on offense last year, and they lose TJ Storman uh to transfer, um, who was quietly a really great tackle for them last year. So I think that is the one that stands out to me as the biggest one. I would also highlight Kenny Turnier, um, from UCF. Um, pass rush, as we already talked about, um, was a, you know, a little bit of, you know, at times was a weak point last year. It got better as the season went on, but that, that improvement came against weaker competition. So I think the more players you can get out there who can affect the quarterback, the better. So those are the two that stand out to me as the guys who come in and make an impact right away.
1: Yeah, Turnier is a good name. I keep, I don't know why, but I keep forgetting about him when I think about, <laughs> about these transfers. And, uh, Ezzy, that's probably the best pronunciation that's been done on this show so <laughs> far. So I'll, I'll take your word for it since you were in the honors college. Um, but he's huge, and I think his presence will be big. Quickly, uh, what did you make of the TJ Storm at departure? Because um, I was really excited about him maybe coming back. He seemed to solidify that offensive line late in the year. Unfortunately, now he's headed to Tech. He's hopped from kind of school to school throughout his career but I was just disappointed cuz I did think there was some potential there with him starting.
0: Yeah, it was very weird that it he he seemed to go back and forth uh a long time while he was kind of making a decision. And it was a talk about like oh he's going to go to the draft, and then it's like oh he's going to stay and but it seemed like once they got Ize, then it was like really solidified like immediately. It was like okay, and he's storming storming out the door. Um so I don't know if that was because he was worried that um, you know, he was offended that they took another offensive tackle and like another guy who specifically played his position on the left side, and that they were going to maybe ask him to play a different position or something. I'm, you know, I have no idea, um, but it, it struck me as very odd because he was their best, um, their best or one of their best offensive linemen from last season, and once he got on the field more as the season went on, and and and. uh and got more reps than they improved so much on that unit. So that was a really, it was surprising to me. I don't think anyone quite yet knows exactly what was going on there, or what the whole story is. So I'll be curious to see if anything uh, comes out later on and uh, over the course of this coming season, if he you know gives any interviews and says and gives a more of a justification. why. Because I think everybody's a little bit scratching their heads about it.
1: I have a couple more questions for Matt and a few housekeeping notes before we get out of here. But first a word from our sponsors. Final segment here on Locked on Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. Appreciate you joining us today. Uh, Matt Jennings is our guest, and we thank him for his time. Quickly, I'll give you uh, just a few TCU Athletics notes. Uh, Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball reported earlier today that Johnny Ray and Marcelo Perez will miss this weekend in the Shriners College Classic in Houston because of COVID protocols. Johnny Ray, obviously your Friday night starter, and Perez a big piece in the bullpen. So Charles King is going to start uh, – today, because this is airing on Friday, recording on Thursday, he'll start today against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, and obviously you'll just miss Perez in the bullpen, but they will have to shuffle things around because Chuck had been in the pen, so now you kind of lose two arms, and in some ways three arms with how you're going to have to kind of divvy up these innings, but we'll see how the Frogs do without those two guys due to COVID protocols, and also TCU basketball is playing right now, so I don't have A final score but at the moment we're recording this West Virginia leads 52 to 44 over the Frogs really tough start to this game for TCU but they have climbed back in this as the uh, game's gone on so I have plenty of recap of that and baseball on Monday and Tuesday's podcast but right now we're talking with my friend Matt Jennings about TCU football in the offseason and Matt before we get out of here I wanted to ask you about the defense I feel like, Matt, because I've been so focused on the offense this offseason and I I think the storylines kind of lend itself to, you know, can this offense finally get jump-started and get to another level that uh, I keep forgetting about the defense. But it is worth noting that this defense is losing some really significant contributors. You know, Garrett Wallow in the middle, the two safeties and Traylon Merrick and Darius Washington. So what are some of your big concerns about the defense going into the season? And what positions do you think they'll have to um, kind of replace and replenish to, to be good again?
0: Yeah, I, I think those three players, first off, are the are the things that you wanted to, because those were kind of your, your playmakers. I think they've got really solid players elsewhere, um, but they don't have guys who really um, affect the game every single week in the way that those three did. And so that's my first question is, like, who are your your dudes, so to speak, who who just like affect the opposing team's game plan in a significant way. I think they have guys who could be that and who showed flashes of it, but who can be the guy who just like is an all-conference level player who 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 you know just the other team has to game plan around. Um, I think Corey Coleman could be that. I think he showed uh, a lot of good things last year. I think Travis Hodges Tomlinson is well on his way to becoming that and becoming a lockdown corner. Um, he you know he had some rough spots like real early last season, but he really locked it up. And now he's coming back as one of the top, if not the top rated returning corner in college football by pro football focus. So I think he's absolutely on that level. The winners uh, when he's on the field and when he's healthy, I think it's just, you know, he's a different kind of player. He's a phenomenal athlete and, um, you know, is just has, has great instincts. And so those are the three that stand out to me as guys who showed it in flashes. Um, I'd love to see it for the whole season and like I said I think Hodges Tomlinson is the one who's closest right now but I think those other two guys winners and Coleman are the guys who could be that but they and that would give them one of those guys at each level of the defense which would be great um and other than that I think the depth at corner and liner and linebacker are the two things that are concerning because obviously Tomlinson's great who's your next guy Noah Daniels got hurt last season so um, I'm curious about you know how healthy he's going to be CJ Caesar really got picked on a lot, got better as the season went on, but um, definitely got, um, you know, picked on as a, uh, over the course of the season. And then at linebacker, who's your next guy next to winners? And then what's your death look like at that position? Um, those are the big questions to me on that side of the ball. Um, ironically, I didn't mention pass rush. I, I feel okay about that. I think they're great there, um, but I think they did enough down the stretch that you don't feel like it's going to be bad in 2021 but tbd there
1: we all deserve people in our life that love yeah. us as much as pro football focus loves travis hodges tomlinson <laughs>
0: <Right>. and <laughs> they do that every year they pick you know one or two TCU DBs, and they're like they're the best in the country and they're, they're <laughs> very good and it's a testament to oh he was uh, great Dallas and, and and jeremy modkins and their coaching and the athletes they've recruited there uh, but no yes they always pick at least one and they're just like this guy's the best in the world. And- <laughs> It's like cool. It's nice
1: to get the headlines. Uh, let me get you out of here on this, and it's on that topic. Now, I have a coworker that works with me that's a big LSU fan, and lately I've been uh, just saying TCU is DBU to kind of get under his skin because I know it annoys him. <laughs> like I'll send him some of those tweets about how PFF is grading those guys, and I'll be like, "Hey, DBU add it again." But <laughs> with with the job that Gonzalez and Modkins have been doing, and you know, I mean, Jeff Gladney, first round pick. Looks like Drayvon Baring going to be a first-round pick. Or Darius Washington's going to get picked. You ran down some of the corners coming back next year that seemed to be fantastic. Not that they're – well, I can't say this definitively, but I'm skeptical that they'll ever churn out pros like LSU and some of the other blue bloods around the country. But is there starting to – I mean, is there is there somewhat of an argument there? Because sites like Pro Football Focus and even now like Draft scouts and um people that put together mock drafts are noticing these tcudbs uh and i think they're getting more and more attention
0: yeah i think i think it's fair i I think you're right until you recruit at the level that an lsu or an alabama does you're you're not going to be able to have the same wealth of talent to send to the nfl as those schools and that's okay um but i do think that they have established themselves because of gary patterson because of paul gonzalez and because of um, because of the scheme that they run, and because they've done a great job of identifying and developing talent, um, even if they don't recruit the highest rated talent, um, that they've developed they've developed a reputation as a school that's going to churn those guys out. Whether we're talking about Jason Verrett and Jeff Gladney and Ransom Itohada and and uh, and Trevon Merrick this year, and just on and on and on the list, Derek Kindred um, in recent years, and so. I think they're absolutely getting themselves into into a place where they are there. You know, NFL draft scouts have always respected Gary Patterson and have always had good things to say about his players and and the kind of attitude and and um, mentality they bring to the NFL. Um, but I think you are seeing a level of respect um for particularly what they put out at, at defensive back. Um, you're seeing, nfl scouts respect that um and, and value it in a new way and it's part of the reason why if and when gary eventually decides to hang it up i think there's a really strong case for uh for gonzalez as as the guy who steps in to become the next head coach at tcu there there's 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 your kicker to end the podcast
1: oh man i love it when you drop a hot take you're like <laughs> skip bayless uh, this has been locked on horn frogs matt jennings He's fantastic. I'll tell you, he does not cover sports full-time anymore, and there's some great people that analyze TCU football, TCU athletics, but nobody. I'd put Matt up against anybody as far as smart, thoughtful, intelligent analysis. Thank you for listening to him. On Monday, I'll be joined by my pal Eric Hughes, and we'll talk some TCU baseball. But goodbye for now. This has been Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.